podcast with accessibility sprinkles. I'm Shelley Brisbane, your host. This is episode 74 for September 2022. Well, friends, Parallel is back. We took a much needed and hopefully well-deserved summer break, but that is all at an end now because it's fall and uh, Apple events are in the air. And that is the thing that brought us back today. Probably we would have come back. Certainly we would have come back in any case, but Apple just gave us a reason for the season. So we're going to talk about Apple's September 7th event, which as you hear this will have been several days ago as we're recording, just to be honest, it happened yesterday. So if we say yesterday here and there, uh, you know, pretend it didn't happen. I have two great guests joining me to talk about Apple's events. Uh, they are followers of these sorts of things, starting uh, with Robert, starting with Robin Christofferson. He is a co-host along with me of the Mac Accessibility Roundtable. It's early in Texas, Robin. <laughs> Uh, he also hosts the daily dot to dot podcast, which is all about skills for the Amazon voice assistant, AKA the A-Lady. And he is director of digital inclusion at AbilityNet in the UK and a former Parallel guest. Hi, Robin. Welcome. Hi. Yeah. Pleased to be on. I get Christopher Robin quite a lot. So anything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my second guest is a first timer here on Parallel. I'm really so glad to have him. Casey Liss is co-host of Analog right here on Relay, as well as a co-host of the Accidental Tech Podcast. And he's a developer and writer. Casey, so glad to have you here. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. I'm so excited to talk to both of you. Got to go through all the great folks uh, on Relay and other uh, Apple podcast platforms, uh, collecting them all, as they say. It's, it's a, po it's a whole <laughs> Got to catch them all. Well, friends, uh, we're going to talk about the Apple event in terms of the uh, major product categories that were announced. We're not going to do it in the order Apple does because that's not the way my brain works. Uh, so we're going to start with the uh, the iPhone 14 line, which uh, includes a brand new uh, ent entry Plus, we're back to using the Plus moniker. We have the iPhone 14, we have the iPhone Plus, 14 Plus, we have the iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max. So I guess just generally uh, observations about this, this, this lineup, which is aside from the Plus and the deletion of the Mini from the line, uh, not 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 revolutionary particularly, evolutionary. Do, do we agree about that? Any Anything striking about this iPhone 14 line? I think the iPhone 14 line, like you said, is not that dramatically different. Um, the, the one big change that I think is worth calling out is that it does not have a new processor this year. They're basically taking the iPhone, what is it, the A15, I hope I have that yep. right, the A15 from last year's iPhone 13 Pro and just shoving it into the iPhone 14. Now, if memory serves, the iPhone 13 non-Pro had basically the same chip, but they got the binned versions, so versions where one or two of the GPUs weren't working quite right, they would just turn them off and then, and then the rest of the chip was fine. So we, and they would slam that into the iPhone 13. So for the 14, they're saying, okay, we're going to give you the non binned like fully functional processor. So I guess strictly speaking, it is marginally better and marginally different than the 13 that preceded it. But for all intents and purposes, it's basically the same chip. And that's a difference from from years prior. You know, even the, the non-pro phones always had a new chip. And by, if you ask me, and maybe you guys, you, you folks would feel differently, uh, but if you ask me, it's the same chip. So that that's a change. Yeah, I mean, will there be some improvements because of reduced thermal throttling because they have a slightly new way of dealing with heat dissipation? I don't know. So that remains to be seen. But... Um, for me as a blind user, I'm a voiceover user, so I get nothing from the visuals. I'm conflicted to a certain extent about 
things that excite me about the Pro versus the standard versus the, get this, home button on the SE 2020, which is what I currently have, not even the 2022. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there are, there's a number of factors at play here, which makes me an atypical user. But I'm also a technophile, so I want, you know, the latest shiny thing. So, um, yeah, we can kind of get into some of those later on. But um, the new playful, sexy stuff in the pros won't do anything for me. In fact, there's even a question mark over how they'll work with voiceover, the screen reading software that I use. Yeah, we'll get to uh, fun things like, uh, well, well, we'll get to them when we get to them. But as, as far as the chip goes, the, the nice thing about the 12 and the 13 line was that you could easily compare phones based only on features and not have to think about, well, do I need the faster chip because they were all the same? And that that subtle difference about the the the, the way the new chips, you know, whether, whether the A15 that we see in the 14s is different than the 13s, that's going to be lost on 99.5% of the people out there, <laughs> you know, unless they're listeners to this show, and in, in which case now everybody's going, well, I have to have a pro then because I didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> but it is interesting in that you can't make that claim. Like I always imagine, and, and not that everybody in a phone store or an Apple store, well, probably an Apple store, they're better informed, is is always the best uh, uh, ex explainer of the lines out there. But I always imagine the person in the store going, okay, the guts of this thing, the processors of this thing are all the same. So your decision is about camera or about size of the phone. And it's slightly different now, but it's it's close. And now you can have a large phone that is the 14 plus versus the 14 pro max. And your decision is based both on chip and whether you want the, for lack of a better term, super camera, I guess. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the pro and pro max, uh, like pros and pro maxes before does have a significantly altered camera system. And as, as Robin points out that's that's something that on its own is not all that interesting to to blind users although there are certainly blind and low vision photographers out there but the interesting thing from an accessibility point of view and something that hasn't really come up but I talk about it a lot is that we still have lidar sensors mm -hmm. only in the pro and pro max those features are used for the door detection and people detection features that Apple introduced in iOS 15 and are coming in iOS 16 and so if you're a blind user and you're interested in either of those features you still have to get a pro or pro max phone uh, also there are benefits for some blind users to large screens if they're using braille screen inputs so they may say hey I'd like to get a cheaper iPhone 14 plus, but that's again, not a possibility if, uh, if LiDAR is important to you. I mean, Robin, do you feel like the difference in the cost, uh, would make that a hard choice for somebody who's like, maybe they want to upgrade their phone anyway, but they'd really like that LiDAR sensor, but the only way to get it is to buy the one with the super camera. Hmm. It's a challenge. It really is. You know, in the event itself, it wasn't clear that LiDAR was only staying on the pros, but I guess that was I looked it up. Guessable. It is. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of found that out afterwards. So I was hopeful after the event that maybe they were coming down to the, the standard models. But um, yeah, I, that stuff is really, really valuable, particularly if you're a white cane user. So a dog, I've got a guide dog and they are trained to get you to doorways. You know, so often... Um, People who are using white canes, you know, have very little information about what's window and what's door. So they're kind of like banging off like a wasp in a shop window or something, <laughs> trying to find the, <laughs> the bit of glass that pushes. Um, so, you know, dogs already have that kind of door detection built in, but I'm really, really keen to try it. <laughs> and okay, social distancing isn't quite as much of a thing these days, but LiDAR was 
tailor built for that. That was amazing. Um, yeah, and just knowing when people are passing by and um, the face detection as well is is really useful because so many times people say hello and you haven't had quite enough syllables to guess who they were. And so having face detection would be re- really useful there. So you don't have to say, oh, hi, in a kind of a medium tone, like, do I know this person really well or are they just somebody being friendly? So, um, yeah, there's loads of reasons why the technology in the pro phones are really good. Um, there's there's apps, for example, that use um, remote eyes. There's one called Be My Eyes and there's another one called Ira, where the people that you connect to are trained professionals to help you. And the ultra wide camera lens, again, would be really good for field of view. So they could tell you where you are and, you know, spot things for you and that sort of thing. So there's loads of technical reasons why I'd really like that advanced camera system. Um, but yeah, it's a tough call, really, because I don't need the fancy screen and the other stuff that comes with it. So the processor in my 2020 SE is perfectly fast enough for me as a voiceover user. You know, I'm not gaming or anything like that. So yeah, it's a difficult one. But as you point out, you're sticking with the home button. So that's a separate thing. Not all blind users have chosen to do that. Some have because it's easier uh, than than the alternative. Uh, but some people have just said, hey, I want a faster phone or a bigger phone, which is the next topic I want to talk about. But but that, it's an interesting choice. There's no more home buttons. I, that's, the, that's the last yeah, well, device you're going to get. Are they going to keep up with the SE? I kind of, you know, now that Mini's gone, I kind of feel like they will. So, you know, I might stay on that channel, which is, you know, incomprehensible to most users, but um, <laughs> low vision, like you mentioned, you know, that's obviously much better catered for on that lovely big 6.7 inch screen. And if you don't want to go, you know, pro, you can, you've got the plus now. So yeah. What are you going for, Casey? Yeah. Let's, let's talk about screen sizes. And, and Casey, are you a big phone person or a, are, are you going to miss the mini or are you just happy to have a giant phone? Well, so I I am actually in this weird in between and and forgive me if I'm stepping on toes in any way, shape or form, but I have pretty darn good vision when I have hard contacts in, not soft contacts like most people use, but hard contacts. I have this really weird eye condition called keratoconus. And what that means is my eyes and I'm being dramatic here, but my eyes are shaped not like, you know, a basketball, but more like an American football. Now, they're not literally pointy, but, you know, that's the best analogy I can give. And and because of that. When I don't have my contacts in, I am I, I have pretty poor vision. I was going to say absolutely terrible, but I have to remember with whom I'm speaking here. But I have by 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 average person standards, I have pretty poor vision, and so um, I I don't have the need for any of this lidar stuff. Even though when I saw it, I was floored because it looked super cool. But um, that being said, for me, since most of my day is spent with contacts in, almost the entirety of my day is spent with contacts in, and and I'm very lucky in that regard. And so because of that, um, I can get by with a regular sized phone and I don't need a lot of the affordances like, like the two of you are talking about. Um, so I currently have a 13 Pro and we were chatting before the show about, you know, what our plans are a little bit. And for me, uh, because this is ostensibly part of my job, not only as a podcaster about Apple stuff, but as an iOS developer, um, I'll be getting a 14 Pro. And for me, I like the 6.1 inch, the smaller of the two available sizes. And I like that because for hand feel, I think the you know iPhone 5 era phones, and I think the SE is right around that size, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, those for hand feel were far and away the correct size for me. 
But in terms of screen real estate, I'm not so sure that that that's the right fit for my mm -hmm. use. And to me, you know, I, I want something that's big enough for me to be able to see several things on the screen and yet small enough that I can put it in a pocket and not feel like I'm carrying a binder in there. <laughs> so so I'm on the annual train and I'm be going to be ordering a 14 Pro of the smaller size. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm very amused by the, well, I really, really dislike the name, but I'm very amused by the feature uh, Dynamic Island. And I think that here they've taken something that could have been a really big flaw or certainly just like a kind of question mark over the entire line and turned it into something super cool. So if you've not seen this, uh, imagine the old phones or the 14 non-pros that have that notch at the top of the screen, right? Well, disconnect that notch from the top of the screen. So instead of a static peninsula, and I'm not the first person to make this joke, instead of a static peninsula, it's now a dynamic island. And it's <laughs> dynamic because there's, you know, this like ovular, like lozenge or pill shape that is that is not attached to the top of the screen. And that's where the sensors are. So it's going to be black pretty much always. But what's very interesting is Apple has taken a very clever approach to this and said, okay, well, what can we do with that space? And so as things are happening on your phone, and I never made this connection, but I saw a few people on Twitter say, oh, look, they put a touch bar on your phone. And that's not it's exactly thing accurate, I thought of. I, I know it's not actually yeah. the truth, but in terms of the information that it imparts, it's kind of like that. It is very, very similar. And I wish I, I was smart enough to make that connection, but I was not. Uh, but anyway, um, but the one way or another, they, you can put like sports scores up there if you're interested in, in a you know baseball game or a football match or what have you. And if you're playing music, it'll have like a non, uh, now playing thing up there. And what's fascinating about it is, and it's very whimsical, as my co-hosts were talking about uh, yesterday as we recorded our most recent episode, it's a very whimsical user interface where it's kind of bouncy and, and flowy and it just kind of jumps around, but not in a bad way, or at least to to me, it, it it does all this in a very cool and interesting way. And so as much as I really dislike the name Dynamic Island, I am super impressed with the way they, they did this feature because we all knew in advance, like, oh, it's going to be either like one big lozenge or maybe like a sideways lowercase i where it's like a dash and a dot. Right. And that is sort of kind of true in terms of the physical you know, screen. But in terms of the behavior with the software, it's it's not at all true in any way. And, and I'm really impressed by it. Shelly, how did you feel about the whole Dynamic Island thing? I love the name for Twitter jokes. I don't love the name for, <laughs> for marketing. For, I mean, I've had so much fun with that name on Twitter. I mean, I, I wrote yeah, in yeah. our document that the tentative title of the show was going to include a Dynamic Island joke. Uh, my first question was about accessibility, not the Absolutely. will it be accessible, but what's it going to mean uh, in terms of gathering information from it? And I don't know the answer to that. And, and honestly, and I was talking about whether I'm going to get a new phone. I'm not due for a new phone this year. I'm on a two to three year cycle. I got a 13 last year and I'm very happy with it. And as much as I would like to spend time with the, the LIDAR and be able to, because I have to write this up for a book, uh, the dynamic island is the thing I feel like I'm most missing by not having a 14 Pro in my life. So I, I might need to have to make some alternative plans, but I'm really intrigued by it. I did think it was clever. And when people referred to it as a pill, I was being very literal and I was thinking, wait, it's round. That doesn't make any sense, but no, it's a lozenge or a capsule shape. So it's horizontal oval sort of thing. And it does seem very clever. Robin, have you heard anything about the accessibility or voiceover specifically of the dynamic Island? No, too early days. Um, but yeah. the, cause it wouldn't exist in a beta, would it say? So of course. No, no. Yeah. I mean, the beauty of Apple is, you know, that they've got you. So 
whatever it is, the implementation will be accessible. There's absolutely no doubt in our minds at all. So, you know, we haven't got any kind of fear or trepidation in, you know, when that finally gets into people's hands. But there's no doubt at all that there's going to be some accommodation. So, you know, you've got reduced motion. That's one of the accessibility features. So all that playful, um, you know, extending of the lozenge into these other bubbly stuff what will that look like if someone reduces motion? <laughs> you know, it'll probably just, I don't know, pop up as the bubble without the growth bit. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I like the idea of it. I like the fact that they've turned a necessity into something playful. Um, that and Photonic Engine, I think, were the best names of the of the event. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Photonic> <laughs> it's engine. so true. Like warp, warp it's drive. so true. Yeah. Right? Oh my God! Oh my goodness! I, as long as I don't more. have to remember what each and every one of those uh, <laughs> means, I was uh, I was uh, listening to to upgrade and Mike and Jason were talking about uh, that one and a couple of other camera terminology bits. And I, I want to be in those meetings. I must admit, I just like okay, this is what it does. What are we going to call it? Everybody, come on, pitch! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to Dynamic Island and and, and my take on it very briefly in, in Twitter was not only is it, it, yeah, it's certain to be accessible. Uh, my take on it was, are we going to get some enhancements in that way? Is it going to be interesting for voiceover user in terms of having quick access to information that they would otherwise have to swipe away to get to, uh, and in terms of, you know, notification type stuff. And I don't know, uh, I'm super curious to see the implementation. So let's really quickly talk about the iPhone 14 plus, because obviously the mini has gone away. And so instead of a mini, they literally doubled down. And just made a great big <laughs> non-pro phone, which is exactly the same screen size as the the Pro Max, and I, I'm just intrigued by that. And I wonder if you what, what do you guys think of this thing? I mean, I think it's a clever idea, right? Because uh, well, it could, you couldn't get a 13 in humongous size, right? right. I, or am I making that up? So it, it, I like the idea that they're taking the very, very large phone and making it more accessible in the sense that, you know, it, it's less uh, expensive. And so if you don't necessarily need the LiDAR, you don't need the third lens, you don't need the fancy chip, you just want a big device. I'm glad that Apple is serving that market, but I'm sad that they've now, you know, issued the the mini. Like, why can't we, you know, por que no why can't we have both? Um, and I wish, I wish that they would serve both of those needs. And I mean, to build on that even more, and now I think I'm stealing Robin's Thunder, you know, if you can serve both of those needs, why can't you keep around like the uh, one device with a home button? Is that really too much to ask? Honestly, I don't think, I don't personally see Apple sticking with the home button any longer, but I could make a compelling argument that they should. So I don't know, Robin, how do you feel about it? Yeah, well, I mean, we're a very, very, you know, we're a tiny, minute audience. Um, So, you know, don't keep the home button around just for our benefit, but if you are going to keep that form factor around, then fantastic, you know, we'll probably Mm. stay on that line but um touch id on the home on the on the power button okay you might need to have cases where the button is exposed so that's great you know that's fine um that would tick everyone's boxes i think you know me as a as a nice free user my phone never comes out of my pocket there's no need for it to or from under the duvet or whatever it is you know so face id does nothing for me um so yeah i'd love for touch id to remain in one shape or form but you know um if the cost model is right, then give us Face ID. I know that's an expensive array there, but, um, you know, give us both. That's fine. Choice is a really, really good thing. Um, for a lot of people who are blind, they need to turn off um, the needs attention thing because we can't always look directly at the, you know, sufficiently mm-hmm. um, accurately at the array. Uh, and that can reduce 
security. So there are lots of reasons, lots of considerations here around privacy and security and that sort of thing. But I just wanted to flag, you know, when it comes to early adoption, um, I'm not sure if disabled people, you know, they love their tech. They absolutely do because it's such a leveler, but they might not have the same disposable income. So they might be on a slow, slower cadence. Um, but, you know, with each new gen that comes out, the latest and greatest tech that was in the last gen becomes that bit more affordable as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, the 13 Pro and Pro Max, for example, are great values for somebody who really wants the LiDAR, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you and you and Apple has continued to do that a good job of make keeping those generations available directly from them. And then also there's a robust third party markets if you want to go even further back. So there are ways to get I can get you into an iPhone for an affordable price, even if it's not the, <laughs> the latest one. September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. For the fourth consecutive year, the Relay FM community is rallying together to support the life-saving mission of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, Finding Cures, Saving Children. Cancer kills more children under the age of 14 than any other disease. That's a scary statistic, but because of generous supporters like you, St. Jude creates more clinical trials for pediatric cancer than any other children's hospital in the U.S., In 2021, one in three trials reported a more than 20-point improvement in survival rates for high-risk neuroblastoma, the second most common solid tumor in children. And they did it using an antibody produced on the St. Jude campus. This progress is just one example of the world-class research taking place at St. Jude. It's carried out by researchers who are among the world's most highly cited scientists which is then shared with the world to help doctors and patients elsewhere. Childhood Cancer Awareness Month is an opportunity for us to come together in the fight against childhood cancer. Together, we can make a big impact. This year, you can support the Relay FM for St. Jude campaign in multiple ways. As always, we invite you to make a donation. Donors who make an individual gift of $60 or more will receive a digital bundle including a wallpaper and macOS screensaver pack. Donors who make an individual gift of $100 or more will receive a set of stickers in addition to the digital bundle. If your employer offers a matching gift program, fill out the form at stjude.org relay to have that match credited to our campaign. And new for this year, if you want to get more hands-on, you can now start your own fundraising campaign to help us reach our goals while earning exclusive Relay FM merch. Fundraisers who raise $1 or more will receive an exclusive St. Jude limited edition of the Relay FM Challenge coin. And fundraisers raising $250 or more will also receive a unique desk mat featuring the cartoon heads of Relay FM's co-founders please go to stjude.org slash relay to donate and to find out more about fundraising. And mark your calendars for September 16th for the fourth annual Podcastathon. Relay FM co-founders Stephen Hackett and Mike Hurley will be back together on St. Jude's campus to host an eight-hour variety show featuring many Relay FM hosts and special guests. That's Friday, September 16th from 12 to 8 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time at twitch.tv slash RelayFM. Once again, please go to stjude.org slash relay to learn more and donate. Let's cure childhood cancer together. Shall we talk about Apple Watch? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, so we got the Apple Watch. Uh, we got three. We have the Apple Watch Ultra, which is the brand mm. new extreme sports device. We have the uh, the Series Eight, which is a follow on to Series Seven, and the new SE. Let's go ahead and start with the Ultra. And I will say, I'm, there is no world in which it makes sense for me to get the Ultra. But I was absolutely <laughs> compelled by both the demos and the sort of case for it. I was like, oh, I get that. If I if I was climbing mountains or crossing deserts or diving. I would want that in a heartbeat, and I feel like the price is reasonable, which I almost never say about Apple stuff, given the, the amount of features. So I'm really jazzed about the Ultra, even though I'm never buying one. But How you're about you low guys? vision, Shelley. It's got a bigger right? screen. Yeah, I was going to ask the same question. It's Well, that's the thing. I need to see them lined up. I think the physical size of the watch... Uh, for me, would be the limiting factor because I'm a woman with fairly <laughs> small wrists. Uh, I wear the largest uh, Apple Watch right now. I have a Series 4, uh, whatever the, is it 45 millimeters? I can't remember what the largest size is, but that's the one I wear. And it's about as big as I want to wear. People will just assume that you're an ultra athlete. You're an extreme. I mean, <laughs> just just look at me one time and you'll determine that I am not an ultra athlete. But. <laughs> Uh, no, and, and there's a, it's a high contrast screen. I was having a chat with, with somebody on Twitter about that yesterday and saying, and we were talking about, well, how much more of a high contrast screen is that ultra going to provide versus the SE? And the, then the screens for the Series 8 are, you know, they're, they're better. Uh, I would honestly have to see them, but I just can't see given the size of the ultra and, and all the extra features that, that I personally would get it. But for somebody, it might be the right watch. Also, not necessarily fashion forward. I'm not necessarily fashion forward either, but that's a big chunk of watch right there on your arm. So. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. For me, I I like the direction Apple's going with it. I think a lot of the changes are really clever. I think having the action button, as silly a name as that is, I, but it's much better than some of the others we've Indeed. talked about. Um, I, I think having the action button could really be a very useful thing that, as many others have said, I hope trickles down to other watches over time. Um, I like that it does have you know a more rugged case, but I agree with everything you said, Shelley, that it's, it's way too big for me. I have little itty bitty tiny <laughs> wrists, which I've never been proud of. And for that reason, I wear the smallest of the Apple watches. Um, I I don't think this would look right on me at all. In fact, I think it would look like, you know, my seven-year-old son wearing my watch or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it would just look preposterous. Um, but that being said, I think if it is something that helps, you know, low vision people that I think that's great. And, and I'm excited to see some of the tech, you know, trickle down into the other watches. Yeah, because the screen is larger, but it's not, and it's, it's edge to edge. Uh, but so is the Series 8, as I understand it. So I'm not sure whether the um, amount of additional screen real estate is actually as big as it sort of seems. But again, I have to yeah. see it in person. With the international orange, I don't know what color that is, but I'm just seeing normal orange. Um, side, you know, action button and the kind of bigger rugged crown. It feels a bit tonkerish to me. I don't know. So, <laughs> but um, I'm sure it's it's, you know, ticks all the boxes from a, a fashion point of view as well um, for that for that target audience. But for me, the only really compelling thing about it is this um, higher accuracy GPS capability. So mm. I don't know how they got access oh, to that right. second band that. of GPS, but for a blind person, okay, you've got a guide dog that can you know get you to doorways and stuff like that. But when you're using um, wayfinding apps, the data is A, mainly meant for drivers, so you hardly ever get information about crosswalks, as you call it, crossings, um, you know, paths through uh, 
par uh, parks and things like that, you know, shortcuts, um, underpasses, subways. Um, and when you when there is that there, the accuracy isn't sufficient to get you to that place so that you can find that entrance for whatever it is. Um, I don't know about you guys, but still, and this is probably less so with driving, but when you're walking, you know, it could easily have you on a parallel street, for example, or it will tell you to turn 60 feet after you've done the turn yourself. So, you know, we're not there with GPS when it comes to walking. I think with cars, there's more of a lead time as you come up and it can kind of count you in and do clever algorithms and cater for the fact that the GPS, you know, particularly when you're seeing fewer than the optimal, is it seven max number of satellites that you can see on a clear view, which will give you plus or minus five meters, I think either way. So you usually, you know, when you're doing walking, particularly in built up areas, you could be you know, tens of meters away. So um, I was really excited about that and whether that would ever come to other devices as well, I don't know. There was an app early on, a navigation app for iPhone that purported to basically be GPS for, it was focused on on blind users, but it was basically GPS for environments where you weren't following streets, whether it was uh, not based on waypoints that were already, you know, available to you or whether it was just, you know, you're in, in a hiking area in the woods or in the forest or something like that. And that's what I was thinking of, th thinking of that old app. I don't know how well it worked because as we've already established, I'm not, you know, out doing extreme, extreme hiking and that sort of thing. <laughs> Perhaps I should be. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's an interesting point I hadn't really thought of. And then there's also the whole emergency, well, this is with the phones, but the, the whole, uh, the emergency SOS service. So if you get yourself in a spot and you're, you know, needing assistance, which is good for anyone, but somebody who's, who's blind and perhaps less, has less ability to sort of get themselves out of that situation. Uh, you know, that's another, another option that GPS and satellite connectivity makes possible. Mm -hmm. And I'll correct myself to say the edge to edge display apparently is just on the ultra. I thought it was on the series eight as well, but it's not listed as being on the series eight. So again, need to take a look. And also on the ultra, it has um, that super duper loud siren yes. for emergencies, oh. you know? So if you're really in a bad spot, you can set off this like apparently deafeningly loud siren. And, and I would assume someone will come and ask you what the heck is going on. <laughs> if you set that off, I don't know, in like the middle of London or something like that. So um, that would certainly be an attention. Gathering. At least in the demo, I was impressed by the sound of the siren because it was kind of diffuse and it said, was it up to 880 meters away or something like that? Uh, I may have that number wrong, but but, but it's I thought it was 180 meters. 180 meters. Yeah, I think you're like right. Uh, I knew I was wrong, but I didn't know how wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in any case, the, the siren was not, say, a standard police siren or an air raid siren or that sort of thing. The sound seemed fairly diffuse, which I think helps it travel further, but also helps it be less sort of annoying and blaring and not, it's not like a car alarm. And, so, and I don't know in, in real life how that appears. I'm sure it's quite loud, but I'm also suspecting that it is a perhaps a more pleasant noise to hear or a more arresting noise just because it's different. So it yeah. made so me think of cool. my guide dog and his sensitive ears. <laughs> I'd think twice <laughs> before dog firing dog. that thing off. <laughs> All right. So we have, uh, but what about the, yeah, the, the series, series eight? Let's, let's talk about that. Uh, and, and anybody, uh, any, anybody got a new watch in their, in their plans? Let's start with that and then talk about the series eight and, and what we like about it. Well, Robin, are you an Apple watch wearer oh, or not? Totally. Yeah. I've got a four. So there's several things that, you know, it doesn't, doesn't offer. Um, I mainly just use it for fitness. I am actually addicted to spin classes at the moment. Um, so, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm using it for fitness. I'm using it for messaging, notifications, that sort of thing. But I couldn't tell you the last time I fired up an actual 
app on it. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know. For me, I'm more excited, this is going to sound awful, about say iOS 16, because you know, you get like new functionality in the thing that you already own. So I'm really keen to see mm -hmm. what the next watchOS offers for me. I mean, I've, I've read up on it, but you know, it you, that's a gift in itself, isn't it? So barring features that won't be available for the four, for whatever reason, um, it's perfectly snappy. You know, it does what I need it to do. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Apple watch wearer since the original Apple watch. And as with everyone else, my usage patterns and what I expect of it has changed, you know, several times over the years, but I do still very much like having it. And I do feel like it's very useful if for nothing else than for fitness, like you had said, Robin, and for triage of like incoming notifications and messages and, and triage only insofar as do I need to get out my phone and do something about this right now? And generally speaking, the answer mm -hmm. is no. Um, I don't have that many notifications buzzing my wrist. I, I try to be pretty conservative about what I let, you know, poke through, so to speak. But it's still something that I really like having. And even if I didn't do that, the fitness alone, uh, again, you know, uh, repeating what Robin just said, uh, uh, the fitness alone is worth it to me. We are on a every two year cycle for watches. And so my wife and I are both on series six. And I was lamenting before the show to Shelly, I think this is before Robin got here, that um, that it was a little uncomfortable that as soon as the keynote ended, holy cow, it's time to order some watches if you want to get them anytime near launch day. And especially since, you know, it's my job to talk about this sort of thing. I want them close to launch day. And within, I would say, less than half an hour, maybe even less than 15 minutes, I had ordered new watches for both my wife and I. But we're due not launch day, but I think the week after, maybe like one and a half weeks later, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to complain or anything. But it was like, holy cow, we really, we, we got to act. You know, I don't even have a minute to research what I want, what the new band situation is. I got to go, go, go go, go. And I, that wasn't my favorite, but all in all, I'm still excited for it. I'm excited to have, um, keyboard because I'm pretty sure that even in, in watchOS, uh, eight or nine or whatever it was that introduced the keyboard. I've, I, I can't do that on my series six. I, you need a slightly newer watch to do that. And even though I don't find myself writing or composing text on my watch very often, it will be convenient to have a different mechanism to do that. Uh, so I'm, I'm in for, or we're, my, my family is in for a couple of new watches. Uh, and I am looking forward to it. What's your plan, Shelly? I don't know. I, I said I had a series four and so I don't, have a cycle for upgrading watches. I'm actually happy with my series four, but I wanted a series seven because when the screen uh, got bigger and I didn't get one. And so I'm pondering it for this year. It's the thing I need the least, as I discussed before, that the thing I need for my work is probably an iPhone 14 pro. Uh, so that would make logical sense. Uh, but the series eight is kind of tempting. Although I'm, I'm intrigued by the, the differences between the series eight and the SE, because the way I use those watches, it might, be just as well for me to get an SE. So uh, the, the, I guess the screen real estate would probably be the deciding factor. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, this year's upgrade is a, is a good one, but I, I don't feel, I, I always feel like the compulsion to have a story that says, well, this phone or this watch is this much better than last year's. I, I think that is born out of what we do, like doing podcasts and writing about this sort of thing. And it's not all that important. So I don't, I look at the Series 8 and I go, well, there are a few new sensors and that's great. And some people, for some people, those sensors are going to be very important. Some of the ovulation tracking, other women's health things that are included in Series 8 are great. Not particularly my use case, uh, but I'm glad to see them. But I also feel like it's a it's a it's sort of a mid midland upgrade and, and that's that's fine. And the last thing I will say is, um, yeah, I, I'm interested in how watch uses sort of watch usage sort of changes over time in the sense that 
I have used it for select notifications. I, I love the granularity, for example, for, for me, I'm in a lot of Slack groups and I have very different use cases for those Slack groups. And so I can be pretty precise about things from Slack coming to my wrist that actually need to come to my wrist while mm -hmm. most of them do not. And I love that. I was on a trip recently, uh, traveling around via walking and transit in a city I wasn't that familiar with. And I use the watch a lot to not have to pull my phone out of my pocket while I'm sitting on the bus to figure out where I need to get off. And that is both yes. aesthetically pleasing as in, oh, look at that tourist right there. And it's also just convenient. So uh, I was appreciating my watch anew, uh, not something that would be improved by having a series eight, but just, you know, the new shiny is always, well, the new shiny. <laughs> and talking about typing on your watch, I think with screen mirroring in the next version there, you can, you could type on your phone screen into your watch. Oh, that's I'm true. I'm so intrigued by that, that watch mirroring thing. I really, really am. I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by who in the disability community is going to use mm -hmm. it and who's going to love it. Uh, I'm never typing on my watch. It's just not happening. Uh, I don't know that I will type on my screen in lieu of it because, well, I would just use my phone in that case. But I'm super interested in that mirroring feature, and I think it's really clever. And mm -hmm. I, I said nice things about it the last time I, I talked about it on Parallel, <laughs> but uh, I can't wait. Yeah, that'll be really cool. I'm interested to see how that looks. So, so how about the SE? Do, do either of you guys have thoughts about the position of the SE? It's it's 249, which I believe is a little bit less. There's some people who thought it should be even cheaper than that. I'm always for cheaper Apple products, but sometimes I don't even waste my time arguing about that. And and people sort of position the SE as the watch you get your kid before your kid has a a phone uh, that is a certain kind of upper middle class opportunity. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> so for some some people who are adults and who have jobs, the SE is the right watch for them. But if, if either of you guys for yourselves or for, for family members, now that I've insulted family members, uh, have, you, have you thought about SEs? I don't I don't personally see any need for an SE with adult members of my family. Like uh, one of the things they've pitched it for is like, you know, uh, a senior citizen, someone um, who is quite a bit older and maybe they would want something to, you know, have fall detection to be able to call for help, you know, without having to move. And I, I am very lucky in that the the uh, grandparents in my life are not quite at that point. And I don't really see this being the right solution to that problem anyway. With regard to kids, you know, as previously mentioned, my eldest is is turning eight and actually next month. And I've had a thought as, you know, the typical self-involved upper middle class dad, I've had the thought of, you know, is this something that would be useful for him? And currently my conclusion is no, I don't think that's necessary. Now, if we lived in a place where he was running amok and, you know, and just playing in in the neighborhood and, and you know, going all over the place in, in such a way that we didn't know where he was, that would probably change my math on this. But um, I don't personally see a place for the SE in my life or my family's lives. However, I really appreciate the fact that they brought the price down just a little bit. It's one of those psychological barriers, right? Because it used to be something like 280 bucks. And I think it's 250 now or you know, 250, yeah. um, which uh, that's one of those barriers, right? Where really the difference between 250 and 280 isn't that much, but it feels quite a bit cheaper. And, I, and I'm definitely excited about that. It's funny that you posed that question at the beginning because I was going to have the same take, but with the opposite, the opposite way around. So I'd need to justify to someone who wanted to get into Apple Watches why the eight over the SE. You know, it oh, does almost entirely yeah. the same stuff, bar a few right, yeah, use definitely. cases, but you'd need to know what those use cases were and whether they applied to you. So yeah, and obviously there's these earlier gens as well, which are conveniently carrying on being sold. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
New Shiny, absolutely, that's going to be a lot of people. But at the same time, we're in a very fortunate position where all the most recent gens, performance-wise, fine, you know, not like the early uh, versions of the watch. Um, but mm. yeah, so <laughs> it's kind of horses for courses, really, I think. I'd have to prove it, but it feels to me, looking at the feature list this time around, that the 8 and the SE are closer than previous generations of the Series 7, Series 6 were with the, with the SEs that corresponded to them. And it just feels that way because when I was looking down the feature list, you're right, there wasn't a lot of difference between the SE and the 8. And so, again, for me, screen size would be the biggest thing, assuming that the watch wasn't crippled in some way. And the SE is not a, a watch that's that's crippled. There, It has most of the features, uh, you know, little things, uh, sensors and, and Does display Does it have the temperature? Sensors. Uh, I don't think so, so but one, I might have yeah, that wrong. Use case. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, and that's that's actually it's that's a pretty interesting feature. One. <laughs> I should say that I'm really interested in low power mode. I know this sounds like a non kind of um, excitement factor, but with the was it called reserve power? That's the current mm -hmm. way of doing it. Voiceover mm -hmm, stops mm -hmm. working. That's part right, of one right. of the things that switched oh. off. So you basically break, yeah, break your I'd watch. Like, yeah, I'd like to know. If you, oh. Well, it would be kind of fun if you could, I mean, and I maybe would defeat the purpose, but it'd be interesting if you could sort of set what's what's your priority feature. Well, voiceover would have to be number one. They'd be like, well, you're only going to get so much more battery power if you do that. But <laughs> So yeah, it will carry on showing the time, but only sighted people can read it for you. Yeah. There you go. Well, let's, uh, before we get off the, the watch, I, I sort of saved the whole always on display conversation for here because it both applies to the new phones and to the, to the watches. And I'll, I'll address this to you, Casey, because I have, I have feels, I have opinions, which are somewhat <laughs> contrarian. Uh, so I'm curious, are you excited about always on displays? Well, so I've had that in my series six and I can tell you that it makes for an, an entirely different watch. Like, uh, and I just noticed, I just realized as you were talking that the, the SE does not have an always on display, which I thought it did. And I, I am, I am wrong. Um, and, and because of that, I, I think the difference between the always on and not always on display is night and day. And every time I raised my wrist with the prior Apple watches that did not have the always on display, even though eight times out of 10, I saw my watch and I saw what time it was and so on. Those two times out of 10 that I didn't, oh goodness, did that make me angry? And it just felt like so incredibly frustrating. Then you have to do this like, you know, arm jiggle to get the thing to wake up. And it's just, I didn't care for it. And and maybe that is uh, unique to a sighted user or a, a, a traditionally sighted user. Maybe it would be less of a big deal if you're not looking at the watch face, for example. But, um, but for me, having the always on display did make a tremendous bit of difference, even though I'm not entirely sure they've really as of you know the six i don't know if they really got the battery in a position that that was such a great idea but even still i'll take topping off my battery for a little while in the middle of the day which i tend to have to do uh in order to have that always on display but i'm guessing that maybe you don't feel the same way well it's interesting because if you raise your wrist unsuccessfully like you were saying and nothing lights up without the always on display um then so what what we would do is we'd raise our wrist tap on it and it would read you the time and any other complications mm. that you've set to auto speak on, you know, when you do that initial tap. 
oh, yeah, interesting. Cool. But you know, if it if it hasn't lit up, then tapping does nothing. So we are in exactly the same position as you guys. You oh. have to drop your wrist, <laughs> wait for a beat for it to say okay, and then raise it again and try again. So yeah, exactly. That's the same. so silly. And that's regardless of whether there's this thing called screen curtain, which is part of voiceover. So from a privacy point of view, if you can't see who's looking over your shoulder or who's around, you can black the screen, and with OLED, that saves you a lot of juice because nothing's being lit mm, up. That's true. Um, mm-hmm. Like double your battery life. So you'd have that on. So visually, it wouldn't be a noise on screen, but it is. And it will behave with that new added um, ability to always be able to access what you're doing without having to do that jiggle thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the always on display on a watch is intriguing, but not essential to me. I think I would appreciate it. I will also say that for somebody with a physical disability, it's probably an absolute game changer because you don't have to, especially if you can't or if it's difficult for you to reach over and tap or, or jiggle your arm in a certain way. If it's always on, then you have quicker access. So that's great. For me, it's a nice to have. It's not People seem to find it the end all and the be all and they really, really want it. And I, I agree with Robin. I think there's privacy issues, not so much with the watch. That's for the phone thing. I mean, I, and I also carry my phone in a wallet case. So one way or another, I got to flip that thing open. So I care nothing for an always on display. Also, my phone is big and bright. I have a 13. So it's a great big screen. Sometimes It's funny about my, when, you're, when I'm holding my phone very close to my face in order to read it, I don't think about how large that screen is. But then sometimes I put the phone down and I see it next to me and I go, my God, those screens are enormous and they're bright <laughs> and wow. And I, I realize that the always on display in the phones is not going to be fully on in the way that we think of it uh, because there are battery saving uh, methods that are being employed. But from a privacy point of view and just from a light, lighting up the world point of view, I could care less. I kind of <laughs> don't want it. <laughs> so being a developer, Casey, do you know whether Apple has restricted what can be on the always on, you know, iPhone screen and iOS 16? Is it Does it limit any kind of sensitive information from being part of that always on display? So I haven't looked at this in the context of the phone, but I did briefly look at it in context of the watch like six months or a year ago. And the way it worked on the watch to the best of my recollection is that you could um, mask things when the watch wasn't active, you know, when it's, when it's dimmed, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, And then you would, you could unmask it when it seems like the, the user is actively looking at the watch. This is the equivalent of raising your wrist. Mm -hmm. I would assume the same thing is true on the iPhone, but to the best of my knowledge and, and to hopefully more direct answer your question if you as a developer and then later you know your users would like to put super sensitive information on your on your screen like that's opt-in right it's not (laughs) like you it's not like they're forcing it upon you i mean i wouldn't put our you know social security number or whatever your equivalent over there is some sort of national identification number i wouldn't put that on the front of your phone for all to see but hey if you really want to i mean that's your your decision right and and i don't think there's any sort of rule or API limitation that prevents you from putting whatever on the screen. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about AirPods Pro as we as we wind our way toward the to the end of this presentation. Specifically, we we talked only about a new version of AirPods Pro. We didn't get any new AirPods Max, nor did we get any new standard AirPods. I uh, am somebody who just to take it make it personal for a moment has not used AirPods Pro in the past because I don't I can't deal with things inside my ears. It just doesn't work for me. So from my personal perspective, I was hoping for some sort of supercharged AirPods. However, having seen the AirPods Pro that the tip and the fact that there is a smaller tip available. I'm intrigued by it and I want to go try them. Uh, and of course, they're all the, 
additional features, the advanced, uh, more advanced noise canceling and uh, the transparency mode, of course, was was promoted uh, as being even better. So, so I guess I'm wondering for you guys, uh, and, and Robin, I know you're a big headphone guy. So, mm. so what's your take on the AirPods Pro? So I'm an AirPods 3 user at the moment. And the only thing that's lacking there is the noise cancellation, because obviously they don't fit in your ears. They don't block any sound. But when you're out and about, as a blind person, you absolutely need to be aware of your surroundings. I'm a bit worried about the rise of electric vehicles that don't make any noise at all. But apart from that, you know, you can be pretty, um, you know, sure that you can hear stuff coming, basically, apart from bikes. Um, But it's really important. So, you know, if it, I haven't tried the AirPods Pro except in the shop. And the fit seemed fine. Um, this was obviously Gen 1. But the noise cancellation would not only, I mean, the active pass-through would not only have to be really good, but also directional, because I need to know where stuff's coming from. So I'm pretty sure it does that. It would use the mic in each in each ear to kind of give me that spatial stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about that. Don't really mind about the, don't really find kind of feel strongly about the, volume up down um swiping on the the stem you know i love that yeah yeah <laughs> that's great <laughs> the thing that i'm really excited about is the new the higher quality capability and i don't know if it's in the h2 chip is there going to be something straight away that as soon as you get onto a zoom or teams call you get the set you know there isn't that instant de- degrading of quality um like you get with any bluetooth headset so that's the thing i'd really like to try because you know the mic quality goes way down, the 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 fidelity of the audio goes way down as soon as you've got full duplex. So um, I think from what the presentation was saying that that's going to be a thing of the past with this new kind of codec or whatever. I sure hope you're right because you're exactly correct about the drop in quality as soon as you go full duplex. Uh, I was a devout AirPods user, and then this past Christmas, my wife got me AirPods Pro for Christmas. And for me, as someone who does not have a problem with sticking you know an earbud inside my ear, uh, they are so much better than AirPods, which are so much better than any other, or more better depending on your definition. For me, anyway, so much better than any other headphones mm-hmm. I've used. I have you know big open air headphones that are higher audio fidelity than probably either of these even any of my airpods but in terms of convenience and whatnot i adore my airport airpods mm-hmm. pro even more than I, I adored my airpods which i freaking loved um, And the reason i love the airpods pro so much is because of the active noise cancellation and the transparency mode I, i've never paid attention to whether or not it's directional i don't think it is but i am not confident i'm <laughs> right about that i very well could be that wrong that could be fatal um, literally it, <laughs> yeah, then that's the thing. It's it's these are the these are the things that ignorant people like me don't have to consider and don't have to worry about. And so um, I'm gonna have to pay attention next time I go on a walk and see if that's the case. But one way or another, um, I'm I'm devastated by the new AirPods Pro because I just got my AirPods Pro and I don't want to upgrade them yet. Like they, I, I like them, and obviously there's nothing changed about the ones I have. But the idea of like you know double the noise cancellation, um, the idea of just higher audio fidelity, and you know with the new speakers and whatnot, all of this sounds incredible. And I am excited 
for whenever the time comes that I am compelled to upgrade because, you know, $250 or whatever they are, that's enough money that I'm not just going to say, oh, well, you know, and just toss my existing AirPods. And I guess it would be different if I had someone in my family who was interested in them um, and also had different sized ears so they didn't have to inherit my, you know, <laughs> cups or whatever they're called, they're the plugs. Uh, but anyways, I, I don't really have anyone to pass them to. Aaron is not interested at all. My wife is not interested at all in any of these. Um, but I am really looking forward to the AirPods Pro too and i i cannot say enough good things about really any airpod but especially the airpods pro i am so enthusiastic about oh and uh, before i stop talking uh, i i agree with which one of i think it was shelly said you were interested in the swipey on the yeah. um, stem for volume this is not like a do or die thing this is kind of how i feel uh, about you know, my equivalent of you saying you don't need an always on watch face I don't think I absolutely need to have the swipey on the stem, but man, would I like it if it was there. So, um, so I'm enthusiastic about it, at least tentatively. So having never tried it. So we'll see. I'm really tired of tapping on my head because I just turn them, <laughs> turn the AirPods off and I just walk around my house tapping on my head all day because my husband insists yeah, on yeah. speaking to me occasionally. And I think it's rude and he should know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't he just send a text like an adult, right? It's been done many times. <laughs> but sometimes he's like 10 feet away instead of 30 feet away. And so he talks to me. It's weird. Do you ever lose your case? I have, yes. And I, I, I made a joke about that on Twitter, but I do lose my case on occasion. I lose it. And so I like the idea that I would be able to relocate it. That would be, that would be nice. Uh, there's a lanyard loop now, so you could theoretically carry it around your neck like a iPod shuffle or something. I don't know. Uh, I probably would rather just find the case wherever it may be lying. Uh, but I, I want to love AirPods Pro because I'm almost due for, I think my, my issue with my current AirPods, which I believe are second generation, is that the battery is just getting long in the tooth. So it's almost time to yeah, replace them yeah. anyway. And I just had a birthday, uh, which you would think there there was there was some discussion about what I might or might not want, and so the the deal hasn't been done yet. So uh, perhaps <laughs> perhaps there are AirPods in my future. I'm so wedded to the AirPods three that they are always in my front left trouser pocket. So you know I always know where the case is. So I'm not necessarily kind of excited about the the little speaker, the little find my beep, but I'm a little bit hesitant about going pro because that case is quite a bit bigger, isn't it? And you'll have this lumpy thing uh, in your pocket all the time. I can't tell it, how big it is from bigger it is from the picture. It is, I think no, I, well, I don't know about the AirPods Pro 2, but assuming they're roughly the same size as the AirPods Pro 1, it's a little bit mm -hmm. bigger, but I wouldn't say it's night and day bigger. The difference is that it's oriented yeah. horizontally yeah, rather, vertic rather than vertically. Yeah, and so it is different. And I think you're right. I think it is bigger, but it is not. I, mean, I would guess it's... 10 maybe 20 percent bigger it's not the sort of thing where it's like 50 percent bigger or anything like that um i, I have my old AirPod, airpods 2 in front of me unfortunately i don't have my airpods pro on my person however that being said i'm glad shell you brought up the uh case having a speaker because generally speaking my airpods pro live in my pants slash trouser pockets um but Every great once in a while, I'll put them down somewhere in the house and forget what where I've put them. And this happened to me just a couple of weeks ago, and I had no clue where. I knew they were in the house for for sure, for absolute certainty, but I couldn't figure out where. And we do not have a particularly large house. It's not like I'm running around a mansion trying to find this thing. Uh, but nevertheless, I couldn't find them. And so I thought to myself, oh, let me try Find My. And sure enough, the Find My app on the iPhone not only did it let me go, you know, it let me find the Air, the AirPods Pro, but it actually did that ultra wideband like homing beacon, you know, turn left, turn oh, right, nice. you know, three meters, two meters, the one meter. One there it is, that whole wow. dance. 
Yeah, the Yuan, exactly. And and that was super convenient. That being said, it would have been so much faster if I could just yeah. make the case make a noise. <laughs> so even though this only happens to me every great once in a while, I generally am like you, Robin, where it's, they're always on my person. For those couple of times where I need it, goodness, would that have been convenient. And this is the point where as a female, I must point out that there are often clothing uh, options that don't have pockets in them. I wear a lot of shorts around my house that don't have pockets. And so although I have one pair of shorts that has this little tiny pocket at the top that fits an AirPods case perfectly, but don't bend over because it will fly out instantly. (laughs) So, yeah, that's why I lose it. Uh, Although lately we have a little we set this thing up in the center of our house in an area we call the bar, which is where we just put keys and stuff. And we have a series of chargers there. And so when I'm feeling more disciplined, I remember to put my iPod uh, AirPods case in in that spot, which not only charges it, but it's in the middle of the house. And so if I go toward the middle of the house, chances are I'll find it. So when I'm, when I'm thinking smartly, I can usually find it, but I would be happy to have Apple help me when I'm not doing so well. Uh, well, let's let's talk really briefly. We, we didn't get anything about uh, the operating system releases coming up. Obviously, the betas have been out for a while. Uh, we know that iOS 16 is is shortly to come. And I guess just overview, like what either in terms of features that you're particularly excited about or just what your thoughts are about uh, any of the iOS updates, uh, uh, any of the OS updates, I should say, coming from from Apple this fall. Any any sort of general, general thoughts either of you have? Uh, for me, I've been running the iOS beta for maybe a month now, and I really like it. I I think my favorite things are the new wallpaper, th- you know, lock screen thing. It isn't flawless. It isn't. It isn't exactly perfect. But you know, I found a picture of my wife that I took a couple of years back, and I was able to. Or it, well, I shouldn't say I found it. It suggested uh, the system suggested a picture of my wife, um, and and I have it. I have the background behind her. This was taken with like, you know, a full bore micro four thirds camera, but the background has been darkened by iOS and she does indeed stand out in front of the numbers, which is, I don't know. I just find that so cool that it's able to discern, you know, what's, what's her and what isn't, what's the background. (laughs) Um, I haven't really gotten that into lock screen widgets and I've been told, I don't have to try this, It's not, maybe I can stall for time and try it, but I've been told that if you do put a widget on the screen, then that whole she exists in front of the numbers thing stops working, oh. uh, which is uh, which does seem true, actually. Mm. I just tried it again, uh, which I really am disappointed by. Like, I kind of understand it, but I want to have both widgets and the super fancy, like, you know, person in front of the numbers mm. thing. Uh, you know, the, the um, I can't think of the term for it, but the, not parallaxy, but that sort of depth of field thing. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I've been really into that in general. I also really, really like being able to edit a, t- a text message or an iMessage specifically. Uh, I don't do it that terribly often, but it is nice to be able to do it. And I'm really digging that. Those are the two things that jump out to me in terms of iOS. I have not put the watch beta on my watch. And I don't remember anything that was super striking that's coming. Not to say there isn't you know, anything good. I just don't recall offhand. Same with the Mac. Like I'm sure there's something that I'll be interested in coming to the Mac, but I haven't run any of those betas yet. And so we'll get there when we get there. Robin, you have any betas running? No, I'm afraid not. I've only got one phone and I use it for work as well. So I don't want to go that route. Um, new voices. So, oh, yeah. you know. Choices oh, are those are thing. very good. Yeah. Yep, those yeah. are very good. Not only for Siri, but also for voiceover, and that's on the Mac and iOS as well, and I don't know about watchOS, hopefully. Um, the door detection thing with the LiDAR, if I had one available, would be quite cool. That's supposed to get you right to the handle or the push. You know, it looks for text as well, and it'll, you know, zone you right in on that using the LiDAR. 
Um, yeah, what else? Watch mirroring, I'd like to have a play with. I'm not sure what I would use it for because, you know, if you need to type a response on your wrist then your, and your phone is there, then do it on your phone. Um, the live transcribe <laughs> thing for, no, live captions. We've got live transcribe, haven't we? Live captions, so any media that's playing from any app can have live subtitles um, automatically done for you, which is super cool for a lot of people. You know, students in lecture theatres rejoice you will be able to watch as many things as you like without having the sound on while you're supposed to be <laughs> listening to the lecturer. So, yeah, cool stuff. I've been playing with the uh, text, of the message editing and the, the new way dictation works because I use dictation a lot on iOS mm. and I've been having a lot of fun with it. I'm sort of getting used to it still because I, yeah, I've been running the beta on my main phone for probably three weeks and I've have, I've had it to play with on a on another phone, but it's very true that until you get it on your actual device, your use of it is very, very different. It's not practical. And obviously in the past three weeks, I've had occasion to write many text messages and many Slack messages, and I've done it with dictation. And I, again, it's, it's sort of, I'm getting used to it and figuring out how to document it, but I like it. Uh, I like it a lot. Um, and then, yeah, the, the, the LIDAR thing that, that Robin mentioned that I may or may not get to see at some point is kind of fun. Uh, and yeah, I, I haven't fooled around with the lock screen stuff at all yet. Uh, I haven't really thought of my use case. Uh, so I, I will get to it eventually, but I haven't quite yet. So we, yeah, those are, those are coming soon. Um, I don't remember, did they announce the date for the release of the iOS? Uh, they didn't say anything during the presentation, but there was a press release saying it's this coming Monday, the 12th. Ah, okay. Thank you. Cause I knew they had gone to golden master, which I assumed it meant it was imminent. So by the time you hear this friends, it may in fact be available to you. How far back does that go? Does it go to an eight? Oh, that's a good question. I don't recall. Mm. Uh, I don't remember. I, I read a list. I actually, it is the eight. I know it's it because I have the beta running on an old eight. Oh, cool. Because my wife's with. got so, it. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. Let's do the uh, one more thing section right here on Parallel, which we do every week. A little whimsical question to send us out. Imagining uh, the products that were announced yesterday, if you could add or change, probably add, uh, a feature to any of those products, a feature, an attribute, uh, which would it be? Casey, have you got thoughts about this? Uh, if I have to add, that's harder because I was going to say change. Oh, okay, um, you can change. I said you could change in the doc, so you can change. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, well, I will. I will try to. I will try to do one of each. Um, for change. I've got an unnecessarily and unreasonably large burr up my hindquarters about the dropping of the SIM tray. Mm. So I just recently switched from AT&T to Verizon. And, and in that process, I you know, got a new SIM, a new physical SIM. And in fact, Verizon asked me, would you like an eSIM? And I said, no, 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 no. I would like to be able to move my SIM from phone to phone over time. I don't want an eSIM because I don't trust you guys not to take $30 every time I switch phones, which in the past, when I was on AT&T for the last several years, um, when I switched SIMs, or what I, I shouldn't say that, when I switched phones, same SIM, different phones, AT&T was like, okay, cool. No, no, you know, no worries. And they didn't take any money from me or anything like that. I have zero confidence that Verizon or AT&T will just watch me switch from one eSIM to another and be like, yeah, you're good. We don't need any money for that. Because I don't know how the carriers are, Robin, in, in the UK, but they're they're vicious. Yeah, here. not nearly and as so, vicious, I can tell you. But yeah. Okay. Well, see, you're, you're lucky. That, uh, 
<laughs> That's probably also true, but uh, you're lucky in that regard. So I'm a little disappointed by that. Now, maybe, maybe it'll end up that when I get my, you know, 14 Pro, maybe Verizon will say, oh, that's totally fine. Thank you for your, you know, thank you for letting us know you need to, new, you, uh, you need to move your SIM. And that's that. And they won't charge me money, but I would be flabbergasted. Um, and so also in my list of bugbears, I spent a lot of time outdoors this summer and I live in Virginia, which is um, uh, one of it's not nearly the warmest area of the United States, but it's on the warmer side of things. And uh, because of that, when I'm outside in the summertime, it's pretty hot. Sun is pretty strong. And at least on my uh, 13 Pro, I found that this thing seemed to be thermally throttling the screen constantly. Wow. So if I use my phone in, in direct sunlight for more than you know a minute or two, suddenly the screen gets dim for a while. And then I guess it cools itself off. Then it gets bright so I can see it easily again. And then it gets dim for a while. And so if I could add a feature, I would love some sort of better cooling system such that that doesn't happen to me anymore. Please and thank you. <laughs> the eSIM thing is interesting because uh, far be it for me to underestimate carrier's capacity for evil. But Exactly. But I also believe that it could be a bureaucratic thing where you're trying to explain, no, I've changed phones either because I'm reviewing a new phone or I've got, I've switched phones with my wife or whatever it is. And them to go, wait, what you changed phone, but eSIM that there would be all sorts of confusion about I'm switching back. I didn't actually get a new phone. You're not allowed to charge me right. the $30. And more importantly, <laughs> you have to make it work. You have to let it work right away. And for them not being used to that use case. And so, yeah, like I say, I, either for evil or for bureaucratic reasons, bad things could happen. Well, and very quickly, it, with, with all of my whining completed, if it ends up that the carriers are good about this and it's just, you know, all software to move between phones and you don't have to worry about physically moving a SIM, like in in the perfect world where carriers are not completely and, and utterly evil, then I think that is better. I oh, just yeah. have zero confidence that'll <laughs> be the case. Well, I mean, dumb things happen. Like we got my mother uh, a, a new phone and uh, we <laughs> I went over there to change her physical SIM and to get her set up. And then I realized when I got to her house, oh my God, I don't have a tool to pull oh, the yep, SIM. Yep, 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 and yep. and the paperclip wasn't going to work. It was not thin enough. And so I had to explain that to my mother, who's like in her 80s. And she's like, wait, what? You you can't upgrade my phone because you don't have a little mm -hmm. paperclip. Okay. Yep. All right. Robin, how about you? Add change features? Well, just on the SIM thing, the physical SIM scenario is has got a lot of challenges for people with a range of different impairments. Throw that out there vision. Yeah, totally. So yeah. Okay. I'm going to take the spirit of your question there and stretch it to absolute breaking point. So let's take the LiDAR and the camera that is going to be used for the door detection that we talked about earlier in iOS 16. And I want to add on a tiny little feature, which is um, an Apple glasses headset. <laughs> um, which I know is not coming this year and maybe not next year. It's going to be the VR one next year and maybe it's the year after. But to take the power that that gives you and all the other smarts behind a um, a camera for face detection, for you know being able to orientate yourself, to use third-party apps where a remote pair of eyes can, can help you get around and avoid things and find things and put it on your head is so much better than having to, you know, have your cameras poking out of your shirt pocket facing forwards or, you know, holding your phone out in front of you like someone who's inviting people to take your phone. So um, I know they could lift the headset off your head quite happily, but I'll deal with that at the time. So that's what I'd like, basically. Um, I wouldn't use any of the features that it would probably be sold for 
the AR, the you know heads-up display, whatever it might be. But I desperately, and I know it's not going to have a camera, it's probably just going to have LiDAR, but that'll be fine too. So yeah, that's my tiny, tiny one more adjustment <laughs> to the announcements yesterday. Duly noted, we'll let Apple know. All I, I thought you were going to take mine, which I guess you did, and you took it and ran with it. I was just going to put LiDAR in the non-pro phones, the 13 and the 14. <laughs> At least the 14. I mean, I'll compromise. I'll just put it in the 14, maybe the 14 plus. I won't make you go back to the 13 and retrofit my personal iPhone, although it would be swell if we could. Yeah, I think I think LiDAR as a, as a feature that assists people uh, with blindness. It's a proof of concept that Apple has done for a reason. They promoted it heavily mm-hmm. when they created people detection, uh, and yet it's still only available in the pro phones. And that appears to be the case as long as LiDAR is so closely associated with high-end camera technology. There's not really a reason for them to put it in the lower-end phones, but that doesn't prevent me from wanting it. Robin Christopherson, Casey List, thank you so much for being on Parallel. Let me give each of you a chance to tell people where they can find you on the internet, starting with Casey. Sure. So you can find me on Relay at relay.fm slash analog, where I host a show with uh, Relay's co-founder, Mike Hurley. That's, I don't know, about our lives. I still, many years on, <laughs> analog was one of the founding shows of Relay. I still haven't found a good elevator pitch. I'll work on it. Uh, and then you can also find me on my show with my friends, Marco Armand and John Syracuse, called the Accidental Tech Podcast. That's at atp.fm. Excellent. Robin, how about you? Where can people find you on the internet? Cool. So there's the daily dot to dot podcast all about the A lady, A-L-E-X-A, not going to say her name, the Echo, um, demoing a different skill or built-in feature five minutes long every single day. And we do a weekly show called The Echo Show with brilliant friend Sean Priest. And we basically talk about skills and obviously demoing them as well. We would never not demo something in the flesh. Um, A lot of fun, that show. So please check out those two. I'm on a couple of other podcasts, including Maxcessibility with Shelley every fortnight. Um, But yeah, you can find me on the AbilityNet website. If you just search for my name, Robin Christofferson, I think I'm the only one out there. It's Christopherson spelt with like Christopher, then then S-O-N, not like Chris. You came up first when I Google searched you to verify your bio stuff. So so you're you're at the top. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, lots of articles about accessibility and inclusive technology and uh, that sort of thing. So, yeah. You can follow this podcast at relay.fm slash parallel. Please subscribe if you haven't. As I mentioned, we're back. We'll be doing shows every two weeks from now on, as we have done in the past. Hopefully, fun and exciting things coming up to be announced shortly. You can also follow us on Twitter at Parallel Pods. You can follow me personally at, on Twitter at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y. Send your feedback, your guest suggestions. I'm not guaranteeing I'll take them, but it's always nice to talk to Parallel listeners. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Bye now.